This is Kermit Davis, head basketball coach, the Middle Tennessee State University Blue Raiders. Looking forward to being on the Screen to Screener podcast. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. I got to tell you, Gus, I was so fired up about that Virginia diatribe and then your incredible statement about Coach K. We decided we'd come back on again tonight, right? I mean, let's let's do a back-to-back, belly-to-belly. Folks, welcome to the Screen the Screener podcast. Gus and I back on again. And the reason we came back on is I had the pleasure of an incredible interview with Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders head coach Kermit Davis today. Great guy, incredible program, great coach. And so we decided to come back on tonight, do a quick extra podcast for you. We will be back on Thursday night again, posting Friday morning. But we have several announcements to make, so we thought we'd come back on and and, and share it with you before we play Coach Davis's interview. Uh, The first one, Gus, I think we should tell them that we have officially signed on with a podcasting network. Yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are now going to join. We're very happy. We're very proud. We're very honored. We are going to join the almighty ballers basketball podcast network the podcast network is uh, a majority of nba podcasts and uh, we will be sprinkling in our college basketball knowledge among the nba pro podcasts so we're excited to join the team uh, we're looking forward to rubbing elbows with some of the guys and um, we will have more information of where to find it where to look and what you might be looking for and don't worry you'll still be able to follow us and find us we're just going to try to on a different platform and a slightly bigger stage with some other uh, like-minded basketball individuals. Yeah, decide to partner up with Chris Axman, who has the Almighty Baller podcast uh, on the network, and he does an outstanding job. Great bunch of podcasts, all from different NBA teams. We are going to be part of that network. So we'll get that information out to you. Nothing's really going to change. You still follow us on iTunes, Stitcher. Same thing. You'll, you'll find us the same places you always got us, but certainly we're going to be bringing in some guests. We'll have an opportunity for us to go on some podcasts, and it's a great, great group of people. So we are thrilled to grow and grow with the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. And uh, if you notice some different graphics and some different views, um, that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to grow as a podcast. So uh, it'll be the same thing. It'll be Mike and I giving you this NCAA college basketball information, but uh, the visuals just may look a little fancier. Thank you to the Almighty Baller Podcast to helping us out with graphics and uh, widening our audience. We're looking forward to joining forces. Yeah, very excited. And our first interview here that we're going to have that should be up there on the on the network that's coming in is this interview with Coach Kermit Davis. Coach Davis has been at Middle Tennessee State now. This is his 15th season. Middle Tennessee State has really quietly crept up to become, as I said in the interview, Gus, a Butler VCU type of team, haven't they? I think you have to include them in the conversation, maybe throw Dayton in that conversation as well. And we can just say it right now. I don't think there's going to be much argument and they are definitely in the conversation and you can win the argument with them as the winning uh, team in the argument. They have pulled the biggest upset in NCAA March Madness history by beating Michigan State, the two seed, arguably could have been a one seed last year. The fact that he's going to give us some time is absolutely amazing. And without further ado, we're going to play it for you now, guys. Here is head coach Kermit Davis of the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders coming on for a few minutes with us. Here's the interview. Folks, we are so fortunate to have head coach Kermit Davis, the head coach of the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders, leader right now in Conference USA, 9-0 in the conference, 19-3 overall, 
joining us here today on the Screener Screener podcast. Coach Davis, it's an honor to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for a few minutes. How are you doing? I'm doing terrific. I sure uh, looking forward to being with you guys. Coach, before we get into the great season that your team is having, I need to personally thank you for one of the greatest NCAA tournament memories of all time last year. I was at my desk at work, uh, not doing the work that I should, right? Uh, w- watching your <laughs> watching your game against number two seed in Michigan State, you guys were a 16 and a half point underdog, and that was one of the greatest upsets in the history of the NCAA tournament. I remember watching it from start to finish, and we have a group of about 11 guys that live and breathe college basketball, and I remember clearly when Reggie Upshaw hit that three about four minutes in, and you guys were up 10-2, I texted all of my buddies, Guys, get to a TV because the Blue Raiders are ready to roll. This is a must, must watch. So, you know, your team had the look, the confidence. Uh, you fought and beat what many people thought was going to be the favorite to win the entire tournament, 90-81. to 81. So first off, thank you for that incredible memory. Well, I sure appreciate that. You know, it's always good to hear those stories, and we've heard so many of them throughout the, the country. You know, and it's just, we all are. We all are basketball junkies, and when we weren't playing, I, I love watching all the games, and and that's just why you know I really believe it. It's the greatest sporting event uh, in all of athletics, just because of the upsets and, uh, and that marches. It really is a lot of fun. Coach, you are in your fifteenth season, I believe, at Middle Tennessee State, and and you've accomplished what I think is really the hardest thing for any college basketball school to do. You have sustained success over a long period of time. Uh, you were in the Sun Belt for a while. You guys won back-to-back 2011, 2012, and 2012, 2013. You were 14-2 and in conference, then 19-1 and in conference. Uh, then you joined Conference USA in your first season. What did you guys do? You won Conference USA going 13-3. and And last year, 25-9. and Great job in the Conference USA tournament and, of course, the big win. So, Coach, talk about the keys. How do you build a program in today's day and age that has the sustained success that you guys have had over many years? You know, it's funny. I have 15 years ago, and I just talked to a couple of my first senior class 15 years ago, and Scotty Pippen's nephew, William Pippen, was in that class, a guy named John Humphrey who made a name for himself as the helicopter on the N1 tour. And I was just talking to him. We're all going to get together on our, they call it Legends Weekend here. And I have a, a picture of our court 15 years ago in our arena. It must have been about 200 people, you know, those early games. They had different orange seats, green seats, yellow seats in this old building. And uh, and it's amazing 15 years later. It always reminds me kind of where we started from. And, you know, and just the biggest thing that we talked about, we just did an article a couple of days ago about the hardest thing is sustainability. And we hope that, that we were where VCU and maybe Butler was five or six, seven years ago, you know. And uh, probably the, the most proud that we've been is after the Michigan State win, which was such a great win for our brand, is that we could back it up. You know, we still have a lot of hard work to do. But where the, then the national people say it makes that win even better because I think they look at us more of a, a – could be a national program. And that's what we're all striving for. Yeah, that's exactly right. I read that article in USA Today, and, and you guys are right there. You know, it's, it's exciting as us as fans to see – 
the program's developed to the point where it's really not a surprise. We've been talking, my partner Gus Kearns and I, talking about Giddy Potts. I mean, he went into that tournament last year shooting over 50% from three-point range. So you, you hear these players, you get to see them and see them develop, and, and I think you guys are right there right now with Butler and VCU. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I really do. I really think right now with this team, and we can get beat on the road this weekend in league play. Everybody knows how conference play can be. But I really think that we can go about anybody in the country right now on a neutral court and be right there. Uh, and that's not arrogant. I just think that. Now, we sure get beat by them, but I think we're very, very competitive, and I think our players believe that. You know, we've tried to schedule up. Our non-conference strength to schedule, I think, is 22 or 24. And I think in the last maybe 12 games against the SEC over the last five years, we're 7-5. and five. And so we've kind of held our own, and and I think our players believe that we belong in all these games. Yeah, it's 100% correct. Folks, we're talking to Middle Tennessee State head coach Kermit Davis. Coach, this season you are perfect 9-0 and in conference. You had a great battle last game with Louisiana Tech at home. You held them to 36% from the field. It's a great win for you, and right now it puts you up two games in Conference USA. So talk about that game, and then talk about your tough, like you said, upcoming road conference games. You have a bunch of them, including Old Dominion next week and then a late tilt at UAB. You know, Louisiana Tech played great. They really did. Eric Congo's doing He's a really good young coach, came from Miami, and he's got good players. And uh, they had a tough loss at UAB and lost their second-leading score to a to kind of an ejection and a fight that happened, and their team came in determined. We had a great crowd, got down early, uh, and really, you know, every league game, you, they have a life of its own. you got to win them in so many different ways throughout league play around the country, and we came back, made some tough plays at the end. We won by 10, probably wasn't indicative of the game, and uh, but it really was. It was, it was a great great environment and i'm telling you what our about eight thousand fans had a lot to do with that win absolutely coach what what do you stress with your team I mean, whenever i've watched them i've seen several games this year and, and then the games last year in the conference tournament of course michigan state what what they seem to play with so much passion they, they, they love playing the game they play together they don't get down if they're behind they continue to come at you what are some of the things you stress with your team that you've been able to really see them take home and 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 use well, I appreciate you saying that. You know, you, you hope that they take on the, the personality of of myself and our staff, and I think we coach with a lot of passion. We, we we take a lot of pride on being able to coach our best players the hardest, and that's kind of part of our, our culture, uh, doing all the little things. I mean, we do. We have competitive practices, and practice still means a lot right now uh, for playing time and on the weekend trip that we're about to go on in, in Texas. And so – I think anything that we do, we're trying to be built to win on the road. And uh, you hope those things in practice pay off. And, uh, and number one, it starts with really good players. And we've got really good players. We just do. They're talented. Uh, they're committed. And uh, like I said, they can go make basketball plays on their own. And so they're a lot of fun to come to the gym with. That's a perfect segue, and that, that's who I want to get to now about your players, Coach. Let, let's start with the returning foundational players, Senior Reggie Upshaw and Junior Giddy Potts, two of the foundations of your program, your two leading scorers from last year. They're both around 15 points per game. So let's talk about them and how great they are. Yeah, Reggie Upshaw, you know, his dad played football here years ago. Uh, Reggie was a big-time uh, college football prospect, got a lot of SEC offers, but his passion was basketball. And, you know, he's – I'm telling you now, two guys – Last year, think about this, he and Ben Simmons, 
uh, were the only two that led their teams like in points, rebounds, assists, and steals. He's one of the most versatile players in college basketball right now. I mean, he, you know, a lot of bigs can dribble. You know, Reggie's six seven and two hundred and thirty pounds and can play make, and he can make threes. Uh, he'll go down as one of the, the most versatile players in the history of our school, and so he can do a lot of different things as a point four. Uh, Giddy Potts, you know, both of them high school kids. Giddy was a kind of a country kid from Athens, Alabama. Didn't want to go too far from home. Was really getting kind of under recruited. Came to Middle Tennessee and weighed about 242 pounds with about 25% body fat. Now he's like 6.5% body fat, 218 pounds. And uh, he is. He's just, he can shoot it. He's an elite shooter. And I'll put him up against any shooter in college basketball with range. Great kid. we got to get him to drive it more, get to the free throw line more. But uh, he really is. He's a tough guy. That'll He'll make some unbelievable big plays in clutch situations. Yeah, they're two great competitors and, and two great players there. And, and of course, this year, Coach, you've had the big transfer, Ja'Cory Williams from Arkansas. He's really been quite a presence for you inside. I remember seeing you early on in the year. Uh, you had a tough battle at VCU as well. You guys played real tough in that game. It's a tough road game for you. And and he was really impressive. 17 points per game, over seven rebounds. Huge transfer, Coach. Talk about his impact. Yeah, you know, he is great. That Anytime a guy can redshirt and it's not due to injury, it's going to help. And he, he played in a lot of games, maybe started just a couple games at Arkansas, but averaged about five a game. And uh, he had such a, a really good redshirt year. He came here about 202, 203. Now he's about 224. His body has changed. He's another Reggie Upshaw. He's a point four. He doesn't make, doesn't make threes, but he's a 17, 18-foot shooter. He brings the ball up the floor after he rebounds it. He's real skilled. He play makes. And so you put – he and Reggie, we kind of play them both forwards, and one of them will play the five, although they're not fives. They're tough matchups. Corey Williams is one of the most competitive guys that we've had here in 15 years. I don't care if you're doing a two-on-two competitive rebounding drill, but if you're playing something to a point total to win or lose, it doesn't matter if it's a Tuesday afternoon or Saturday on TV. I mean, he's going to bring it. He's a competitive cat. Yeah, his short-range game, those mid-range jump shots he is deadly on. It really has, has had a huge impact for you. And, and Coach, you, you have young players as well. It's not just the veterans. You know, freshman Tyreek Dixon, he had a huge game, 21 points, 3 of 6 from 3-point range recently in a, in a big win over Southern Mississippi. So you have some young players uh, on the Blue Raiders as well. We do. You know, uh, Tyreek Dixon is playing as good as any freshman point guard uh, in league play in the country. And his stats just – back it up you know he was on the backcourt with Arkansas wings with Malik Monk so he's played a lot of big games you know and and was a scorer and he was trying to fit in early but his toughness is great you know in league play Tyreek shooting 64 percent from two 67 from three 35 assists and nine turnovers and that, that's that's pretty special for a young guy like that so he's got great toughness the game is slow for him right now and uh, he's been a great addition for us Absolutely. Coach, we're based out of here in, in New Jersey, and, and I'll tell you, the, the people across the country, you have to pay attention to this Middle Tennessee State team. They, they have arrived, they're ready to go, and, and they're going to make an impact. They're making an impact in the regular season of Conference USA, but in tournament play as well. Coach, I want to thank you for just a few mo- uh, minutes here. Like we mentioned, Butler, VCU, Middle Tennessee State is right there. We love watching you play. You've had a great program with sustained success. 
We want to wish you best of luck in, in the rest of the season, the Conference USA tournament, and hopefully the NCAA tournament. Love to have you back on, uh, you know, watch you get in there and, and, and really, you know, cause some sleepless nights for, for some of those legendary big schools. <laughs> they don't want to play you, that's for sure. But Coach Kermit Davis of Middle Tennessee State, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and best of luck for the rest of the year. We really appreciate you following Middle Tennessee basketball, and thanks for all the, the nice things that you've said, and uh, we're going to keep our fingers crossed. We sure hope we can get back in that March madness and look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Best of luck, Coach. Best of luck on the rest of the season. Thank you. Gus couldn't have been a nicer guy um, sharing some moments with us. I mean, super nice guy, great coach. You can tell he's really excited about his team. I think that came through really true. The fact that he was telling you how he could play – Upshaw at the four or the five. He said he wanted Giddy to drive a little bit more. I think he thinks they, I believe when he says they can play with anybody on any court. Like I, that, that interview got me to believe that. I, I Gus couldn't say any better. I loved it. I hate the canned analysis. I want people to be real. He was not arrogant at all, but he's no. confident and he should be. His team is really good. They went into VCU earlier this year, had a huge battle. Like he said, I think it was 22-23rd non-conference strength of schedule. He knows those numbers. This is a team, of course, you know my theory. I would love to have them in the tournament. They're going to have dominance in their conference. That's what matters. This team is confident, and they should be. You know what? The only danger I think that they're going to have is uh, if the NCAA changes how they're going to look at the resumes and, you know, they uh, are evaluating different metrics. I think that helps Middle Tennessee State for an at-large bid, but I think there'll still be underneath uh, and behind it a little bit if they're if they're not going to win their tournament title uh, and get the auto bid. But if they do look at these other metrics, I think it's going to help a team like Middle Tennessee State. No doubt. And Middle Tennessee State has had some incredible success since coming to Conference USA. They've had incredible success even before then. So just taking a look at their arrival, they Coach Davis came in 2002-2003. And for several years, you know, 16 and 12, 15 and 17, he's building the program. But they really took off, Gus, around 2009-2010 in the Sun Belt. They were 19 and 14. They finished second in the East. They came back the next year and were second in the East again. Uh, then they ended up winning back-to-back at a belly-to-belly Sunbelt Conference Championships in 2012 mm-hmm. and 2013. They were first both times, and they made the NCA first four in 2012-2013. Then in 2014, Gus, they came to Conference USA, and they've done so well since they came here. They ended up uh, being first in 2014, uh, 24-9 record, 13-3. They ended up, and they won the conference tournament as well, I believe, that year. Uh, the second year, they ended up being sixth, but they were able to make a run. And then Middle Tennessee State came back last year, second place. They were 25-9, and nine, won the conference tournament, made the NCAs, and beat Michigan State. Again, it could be the biggest upset in March of all time. And like you said in the interview with Coach Kermit Davis, you felt in that particular game that that was a live game from the tip of the ball. You knew that they weren't going to go away. You saw that they had players all over the court. You saw that Upshaw was going to be tough inside. Versatile player. You saw Giddy was shooting the heck out of the ball. And you saw that they had athletes all over the court that could match up with Michigan State's athletes. So you knew the whole entire time they were not going away. And in fact, not only were they not going away, they were going to hold on to that lead for dear life 
the entire second half. Yeah, they just had a confidence about them. And I'll never forget that I was texting you, started with you, and, and let you know. I said, listen, you got to get to TV, man. This had the look. They, they they don't care. They're down eight. They were playing Louisiana Tech without a link score the other night, Gus. And they were down. They were down like eight to ten points. They had to come fighting yeah. back. They didn't care. He was right. The fact they won that game by ten points was shocking because if you were following the game, the only reason I was wondering is because I heard the spread was nine and a half. I was just curious. It ended up being ten points. Just an, a great win for them. They're two games up in Conference USA. We love Coach Kermit Davis, and we wish him nothing but the best. Very excited for them. Hope they make the tournament. Sounds like he'll come back on. we got to send him a little screen-to-screener uh, T-shirt. What do you think, Gus? And it sounds like he'll wear it, actually, too. <laughs> Look, if anybody's going to wear the screen-to-screener T-shirt uh, and Kermit Davis can bust that thing out of practice, that'd be amazing. Look, they are a team to pay attention to. I think you are correct putting him in that tier with the, with, uh, the Butler uh, from the Horizon League, uh, the VCU from the uh, CAA back in the day, and, and, and now maybe Dayton in the A-10. I, I think you can put them right in that class that they can beat anybody on any court on any given day, look out. I think that's an appropriate classification for Middle Tennessee State. I am going to tune in whenever they are on, whether it's on ESPN, whether it's on CBS Sports Network, or if they I, if I come across them, I am tuning in and I'm going to watch Coke coach davis do his thing and they and they have great players they have players that make you want to watch reggie upshaw gus my opinion he's an nba player very versatile uh led the team i believe last year in scoring rebounds and assists i know for assists for sure and i think scoring so um, i mean is that true i know i know coach davis would not lie that he and simmons were the only players to lead their teams that category in the in the nation last year phenomenal it was a phenomenal study he was totally right i I didn't want to jump in on him yeah it's unbelievable he really is a very versatile player uh his father used to play football Uh, tremendous giddy Potts is you know how much i love him i mean super duper exciting and by the way and by the way i think this year he's like 34 35 percent from three last year he was 50 which means to me regression to the mean he's going to start getting hot right around this time Ja'Cory Williams, I, I told you about him early in the year. He is extremely impressive. He's long. His arms are long. He's aggressive. He is a big competitor. The coach was totally right about that. You can tell, and that's what they need inside because he's going to be a little undersized at times. They end up playing like a Purdue in a 4-13 game. He's going to be undersized. He's a handful. You know who he reminds me of a tiny bit? This isn't a perfect comparison, but I think their games do share a few similarities. How about Zebo? Yes, Zach Randolph. Of course, that's a great, that is a perfect, perfect comparison. I believe they're both lefty too. I think, by the way, that's an excellent comparison. Yeah, maybe maybe not the the amount of lift that you were anticipating, but really crafty, really efficient. Nobody's going to push them around. Um, can bang the seventeen foot jumper with a person directly in their face. Uh, I think their games are pretty similar. Uh, maybe Zebo has a little bit more range, but yeah, I, I'm I like his game too. And he was not on my radar at all until you turned my eyes onto him. And he's a difference maker on that team for sure. Totally difference maker. Love that he gave a shout out to Tyreek Dixon. I think he, used, he said he used to play with Malik Monk. Uh, great yeah. call. That was a great one. And by the way, this totally underrated part. He the helicopter was <laughs> coach. Who does love the helicopter? I did not know. Did you know that? I had no idea. But when he said the helicopter, I certainly remember that guy was oh. tremendous. I, oh. Uh, just a great, great interview. We thank Coach Davis for coming on. SID director down there too. Eric as well hooked us up. Thank you so much, Coach. We're excited about Middle Tennessee State. We're rooting for you. And folks, if you're sitting there with a three seed or four seed, they do not want to see Middle Tennessee State because they don't care. They come in, Gus. They sit there and they say, 
Ah, we're down eight. We don't care. Giddy for three. Let's go. I mean, and that's the sort of attitude that the underdog has to have. And they've already won. You tell me they're playing Duke. They're not. They're going to be nervous. No way. Nope. Play Kentucky. They'll both score two hundred points. I, I mean, like it's a it's an exciting team to watch, and it's a great team to root for. So just to kind of close up shop on Middle Tennessee State, they stared down a Hall of Fame coach in Coach Izzo last March and and beat him. They are not going to fear anybody, no matter who the matchup is this year. So we are just hoping beyond hope. You know, we hold hope very dearly here at the Screen the Screener podcast. We want Middle Tennessee State in this year so somebody can have the fear in their eyes when they view them on their side of the pod and matched up against them in the bracket. That's what we want. Yeah, sounds good. Best of coach uh, Davis and Middle Tennessee State will be rooting for you. Uh, so, Gus, what do you say? Let's just do like a little uh, sort of rapid reacts right now at tonight's games because there's a lot of interesting things we can talk about. We'll do a hmm. little rapid reacts. And, of course, you know, I'm going to go put the Rocky on later on. And Baylor is an underdog, Gus, by six. Here we go again. I believe oh. they were six at West Virginia, I think. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, Mike Randall. Mike Randall. I Look. Whatever the over-under is for push-ups that you're going to do tomorrow, I'll take the over. I, I, I know you're going to get pumped up for this thing, and you're just going to have to get out this aggression and this energy. I'm taking the over on push-ups, even if it's at like 125. And what happens here, folks, is Gus and I have, have been best friends for God God knows how, 30 years? Who knows how long it is? But he, he says things, and they stick with me in my head. Besides his fishy line prowess, which is like at 85% right now and, and growing, um, and, my, and my avatar bet loss – you said something yesterday that really sort of threw me off, and it's ha- I've been thinking about it all day. I'm not going to lie. I never thought about Jocks, J- Josh Jackson guarding Motley. It never <laughs> crossed my mind. But then again, who's guarding him? Landon Lucas is going to be on Jolo. Right. And I was kind of like, ah, oh, that's – yeah, that's going to be a problem. I, it just never – I don't know why I just think of him as a guard, but he's not. And that's a good point. That's a great matchup. Look. There's been a ton of great matchups that we've tried to highlight um, this entire season. That matchup has so many highlights to it. We can go length versus length. We can go athlete versus athlete. Um, We can go first-round pick versus first-round pick. We can go the other way, and we can go the dichotomy. We can go like um, a player developed at a gigantic program versus unbelievable talent coming in as a freshman – um, meeting head to head in this particular game of two versus three, um, I, I don't know who's going to get the better of this matchup. I just hope that it doesn't fall prey to like your worst nightmare of foul trouble. Like I want to see both of these guys on the court matched up, dueling, balling out, going head to head. I do not want to see either side compromised. By foul trouble here. I, I I want both those guys on the floor. I want Mason on the floor. I want Graham on the floor. I want LeConte on the floor. I want Ray, Wayne, uh, Wainwright on the floor. I want everybody. I want all hands on deck. I want this to be a true, authentic competition for all student athletes. Well said. I totally agree. Again, I'm consistent. I said this about St. Mary's Gonzaga. I do not want to see Frank Mason in foul trouble tomorrow. No. Do I want Baylor to win? Yes, but I do not want to win that way. I, I yeah. don't. I want them all there. Jackson, cupping dunks, Devontae Graham, three threes in 30 seconds, no points for five minutes. I want, I want all of that, 
and then let's see who the who the better team is. But I can't wait tomorrow night nine o'clock. Us, uh, I'll come up with some <laughs> GIF or something, <laughs> some GIF to uh, send out, of course. Uh, but it, please, it really exciting. please do, please do. I, I think the fans would love that. And here's the, my final thought on this: I can't wait to see what color Baylor uniforms will wear. Ah, uh, very good. Very good. I, I'm looking forward to the the oddballness of their potential uniform color. Um, hey, do you just want to run down a couple of games super fast uh, that are taking place tonight? Um, I'll start with uh, UNC and Pitt, which was way closer than we thought it was going to be. Uh, maybe not closer than you thought, my friend, but most of us, yes. Go ahead. So, you know, we, we uh, Mike and I and, and Dr. Tony, uh, we always are taking a look at a couple of these lines and trying to figure out if something's going to be fishy. Um, should we pay attention to it? Why is this line this way? Um, this is one of those games where I was like, hey, why is it this many points? Maybe it should be a little bit lower. And lo and behold, I mean, we are an artist three away from this game totally flipping to the other side. Um, he had he had a runner on the side from about 30 feet to go um, for the win, uh, and it didn't go down. And UNC escapes uh, with, with an 80-78 win. Justin Jackson... 20 points. I got to tell you what, this guy is quietly having one of the best seasons that nobody is paying attention to in the ACC and just in the nation in general. The guy's putting up numbers. He's playing confidently. He's a very diverse scorer. Um, again, we I think we mentioned this on a, a previous podcast where um, somebody said like, oh, Justin Jackson, uh, he's got a soft offensive game. There's nothing soft about what he's doing this season at all. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. Ridiculous. I, yeah, our guy Joel Berry the second came up with another big 19 points. Um, and you know who played really well, who kind of stood out in the post? I got to tell you, Hicks had some really crafty moves down low. He finished with 18 points. He had like a nice up and under. He had a really powerful uh, uh, kind of hook shot across the lane off the backboard. I was pretty impressed with his play. And you know who balled out for, uh, for Pitt? is Cameron Johnson. He made a ton of three-pointers in this game to keep Pitt in this thing, and they definitely had a shot to take down UNC on the road, which would have been an unbelievably impressive win after getting blown out by 50 against Louisville. Um, So sometimes you just never know, and this goes back to something that we were talking about before. Man, this ACC, there's no breaks. There's absolutely no breaks. You think you know? You think you're UNC? You got a home game. You're favored by about 20 points. Ah, this is a gimme win, right? You know. Pitt got blown out by 50. Look what happens. You have to fight, claw, and tear yourself to a two-point win against Pitt. So nice win by UNC to survive, but valiant effort by Pitt. I was pretty impressed. Yeah, uh, three takeaways for me. Number one, this is why we love college basketball. Totally. I loved Pitt at home against Clemson. They simply could not stop Blossom game. That's why they lost that game. Blossom game was all over the place, 24 points, three-pointers. I thought they'd bounce back big at home. A noon start on a Saturday, Clemson was ready to go. So really down Pittsburgh, what do they do? At nighttime, they go to UNC, 1-8 in conference, and they almost pull out the victory. So take number one. This is why we love college basketball because some of this stuff is unpredictable. Take number two, UNC needs Theo Pinson. They may not need Theo Pinson to be Pittsburgh in the end of January. He's got an ankle injury. He's supposed to be back. But Pinson puts everyone, Gus, we talk about, in the spot they're most comfortable. Pinson mm. comes back. Williams goes to the bench. Now on the bench, you have Britt. You have Tony Bradley. You have Luke May. And you have Williams. Williams starts tonight, 17 minutes, two points. Didn't really give him much. And it just puts the pieces back together. They need Theo Pinson on the court. It helps. And third thing. North Carolina's got to start playing some defense. They got lit lit up at Miami. 
lit up by a Miami team that, that really should not be putting that many points up. And tonight, 78 points to Pittsburgh, who's 12-10 and 10 right now and 1-8 and eight in conference. Little concerned. But, uh, hey, in, O'Roy has it together. They have some veteran leadership. They were in the finals last year. I'm sure they'll get it together. But those are my quick takes on this one. Uh, good quick takes. Uh, my quick take for the next place we're going to go, guess what? He did it again. Let's put it the total at like seven games that Mello Tremble has won by himself Nuts. for Maryland and the Terrapins. Um, about a minute ago, guess who hits a big three? Mello. About 30 seconds ago, driving layup, Mello Tremble again. And just to seal it off, to give them that four-point cushion that they needed down the stretch, guess who hits two free throws? Mello Tremble. Number 17, Maryland holds off Ohio State, 77-71 on the road. Really impressive win. They came in as an underdog, as we mentioned. And your guy that you mentioned last podcast, Mike Randall, Justin Jackson, 22 points, 12 rebounds. So if Mello can get just a little bit of help, a little bit of help from the supporting cast, this I, I tell you what, this Maryland team is not bad. They are holding court in the Big Ten and are maintaining and holding serve. But Mellow Tremble, how many more games? I mean, we kept we keep asking the same question. Is he going to win 10 games by himself this season for this team? It's unbelievable. <laughs> they just keep rolling, and they, are whole, uh, they, they still are in the lead in the Big Ten conference picture. Amazing. Yeah, Mellow Tremble has had a phenomenal college basketball season. He deserves to be on one of those All-American teams. Right now, I'd put him on t- on the second team. What he's doing, Gus, in these games is he is doing a LeBron James-esque-like performance. What I mean by that is he has spent the entire first half of this, of this season getting his teammates confident. He does not force the game. He has no problem sitting back and having six points at halftime. But when push comes to shove, he knows he's taking the shot, and he's making it every single time. 13 points efficient, the big shots down the stretch, made both of his free throws, three rebounds, four assists. He's a leader. He's the leader of the team as a sophomore. He's doing an outstanding job. My boy Herter, two more threes. Nice. Jackson's been tremendous. Dodds inside is a big guy. Listen, people are getting on them because they're saying that they just haven't beaten a lot of quality teams. There's a lot of teams that don't win these games, Gus. Michigan State didn't win this game at Ohio State a couple weeks ago. There is something to be said for being the teams you're supposed to be. Look, their schedule so far, they've played Illinois. They played Nebraska back-to-back at home. They won at Michigan. That's not easy. They won at home versus Indiana. They went into Illinois. They won at Iowa. They beat Rutgers at home at Minnesota, at Ohio State. Listen, I understand that that's not the toughest schedule, and they really are backloaded with Northwestern coming up and at Wisconsin, and then they have Michigan State again. But the fact of the matter is, the big game they have coming up now, Purdue is the next one on February 4th. But after that, there's something to be said for beating the teams you're supposed to beat. They're doing a great job, another great win, and Mello is big time. You know, Dr. Tony had it right. He said... We will find out a lot about Maryland these next couple of games. Guess what? They passed the first test. If they go ahead and go and play Purdue tough, maybe even pull out that game, man, they passed this test with flying colors. They are legit. Um, go Terps. Go Big Sean. Let's go. Um, hey, you want a feel good story here? You want you want to end on like a like a like let's feel good about these guys again? Go ahead. I know what you're gonna say. Go ahead. Y- y- yeah, I know you want to go there. How about Creighton? So happy. Yeah. Go ahead. 
How about it? Like, number 22, Creighton. Thankfully, they're still ranked. Actually beats Butler at Butler in Hinkle. Again, one of the toughest places to play in the country. One of the toughest places to play in the Big East. We've talked about how Creighton has been compromised by the loss of Mo, uh, uh, Mo Watson Jr. How are they going to figure this out? We, we talked about the pace of play that they were going to try to employ. They played too fast against Marquette. Marquette puts up 100 points. They play too slow the next game. They only score 50 points as a team. Guess what? They might have figured something out here. They had even scoring across the board. Big man Patton, Kyrie Thomas, and Marcus Foster all had 15 points. And you know what helped out? They made from three. They had 13 made threes in this game. Um, they ended up actually kind of running away a little bit from Butler, 76-67. And now the Blue Jays, it doesn't look that bad now with this win, does it? They're 20-3. and three. They're 7-3 and three in the Big East. And they're actually second right now in the Big East, which is a little crazy because if you think about how how urgent everybody pushed the panic button um, just last week. Butler, of course, played tough, of course, played hard. Um, they just didn't have enough firepower. So it seems like this 75-point range might be just the comfort zone that the Blue Jays are looking for. And maybe Coach McDermott and, the, and, the, and his staff have this figured out a little bit. If you're able to win at Butler on the road, it tells me you have something figured out. Kudos to Greg McDermott. Outstanding job. Feel good story. Really excited for Creighton. Great win. Now let's flip that coin, my friend. Butler is headed towards the Virginia area with me, and I just can't get them. (laughs) They have had some tremendous wins to start the season. They beat Arizona. They won at Utah. They beat Cincinnati and Indianapolis. They've had some outstanding wins, yet they're sitting here in a Big East where, honestly, Villanova's come back a little bit. Villanova's 7-2. This could have kept them one game behind. They're 7-4 in conference. They lost at St. John's. Then they won Providence. They beat Villanova. They won at Georgetown. Not easy. Then they lost at Creighton. Then they won Xavier. They won Marquette. They won at DePaul. They won at Seton Hall. Now, back-to-back losses to Georgetown and Creighton. I don't get this Butler team. I do not have them figured out. I don't. They've had some tremendous wins. They've had a tough schedule. This is a bad loss. I'm sorry. No Mo Watson. You lose to Creighton at home. Great win for Creighton. Bad loss for Butler. This adds up, Gus, to me. Villanova's winning the Big East. Yeah, I think so. Uh, we talked about how it might be a two-team race, and after this game, it just might be a singular team race. And you know what? Both of these teams have big games moving forward. Creighton is going to go back home and they're going to play a compromised Xavier team. So it's like injured team versus injured team. Um, So we're going to see who comes out on top there. And then Butler has a little time off and guess who they get? They get uh, the not, uh, they get Marquette fresh off of the big win over Villanova. Um, So it doesn't get any easier for either one of these teams moving forward. Uh, So the big East, like we always say, it's just a grind out there. It's a grind in the Big East. Yeah, um, and, and this is – sorry, really just to pick up on that and then, and then we're going to wrap it up here, folks. So this is from my guy, uh, Gonzalo Bedia. So Gonzalo, big fan over in Spain. Gonzalo ripping on me on Twitter because the game, the St. Mary's-Gonzaga game, has yeah. now been moved to 5.15 p.m. on ESPN that day instead of the 7 o'clock p.m. 
on ESPN2. And I said on Twitter, on a Twitter account, at SDS Podcast, by the way, I said, since when is the most important conference game of the season in any conference played at 5.15 in the afternoon? And he writes, making excuses already, huh? Gonzalo, my friend, Marquette is playing Butler, and that game's at 9 o'clock p.m., okay? And that's a regular season game. The game, the one that's going to decide is Gonzaga more than likely going to go undefeated and go into the tournament as a number one seed. They got to win at St. Mary's. I know they got BYU. I think they're taking care of Micah. That's just my opinion. 5.15 in the afternoon? I mean, I got to call and go to St. Mary's. We're going to have to get everybody lined up at 11 o'clock in the morning. I'll start serving pancakes outside of that game. Uh, You know, start that game, Gus, in my opinion, 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, for us late nine vagabonds, uh, hashtag bar- basketball narcolepsy. Um, and by the way, I-, I think that's kind of a compliment. Guess who played at six fifteen this past weekend? Yeah, it was Kansas and Kentucky. So I- I'll just take that as like they're trying to just yeah. frame the best game of the weekend. So I'm good with that. I uh, guess. I, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I know it's something you want to hear, but I'm saying, look, let's get as many lights shined on this game as possible. But Oh, Gonzaga, please be careful against BYU. Please, please, please. It is going to be a tough game. Come out with your A game. Play tough. Play efficient. Come on, Gonzaga. Come on, Zags. Come on, Big Shem. Keep your streak rolling. I want one more week with you guys at number one. Let's go, Gonzaga. And I have bigger fish to fry. Uh, As we go out here, folks, tonight, uh, I'm going to be playing a little. That's right. Here it comes right now. Little Eye of the Tiger. That's right, Gus. Tomorrow night, rising up. In a one-one-three zone. Hey, folks! Thank you so much for giving us a little extra time in your week this week for carving out uh, an extra time for Coach Kermit Davis. We're very thankful. We're very humbled. Um, thank you for spreading the good vibe that is the Screener Screener Podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll catch up with you guys uh, on Thursday. Thanks, everybody. Mm-hmm.